It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This is Access Atlanta. Every week, we share some of the best places to eat, play, and live out loud in the ATL. And, of course, we go behind the scenes and find the stories that show Atlanta is one of a kind. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We've changed the way we do our podcast. That means we're recording it remotely from our homes, but we've also changed what we're talking about in the podcast, since we've always prided ourselves on providing guidance on things to do in and around Atlanta, and because most venues, theaters, and attractions are closed, we're going indoors, and in some cases where it's practical, outdoors to places where it's easy to practice social distancing. They're a little different than the Fountain of Rings at Centennial Olympic Park or the Big Chicken in Marietta, but musical landmarks around the city and state maintain their own charm. The continued growth of the music industry in the city and region, coupled with its peerless history, means plenty of opportunities to swing by iconic spots, both new and old. The AJC's music writer, Melissa Ruggieri, is here to talk about some of the places that celebrate Atlanta's musical legacy. Welcome, Melissa. Hey, Shane. Uh, so we're here again to talk about something musical, which I always love. Well, this is something different. Usually we're talking about recorded music or right. events to do or whatever. But but this is something that you could do any time of the year, basically, because there are various musical landmarks around the state that you can visit. And, you know, some things you can go in and check out. Other things are drive by photo opportunities, that type right. of stuff. And and yeah, you know, it was actually a pretty fun story to do research on. I remember when our editor first gave me the assignment, I, I procrastinated, of course, like I usually do till the very last minute. But I, I just remember thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to find, you know, musical landmarks in Atlanta and Georgia? What does that even, you know, like, what does that mean? Like, what is a musical landmark? You know, you think of Gladys Knight Highway, of course, or the James Brown statue. And, you know, you know, there are those handful of things. But when you have to come up with a list of a dozen, <laughs> you start right. to sort of panic. But then I, I actually talked with Rodney Ho, our my colleague, and he gave me a couple of good ideas. Like he just mentioned like the Cascade Ice Rink and things that were used in movies or TV shows that I hadn't been thinking quite that broadly. So I was I was appreciative for anybody's input who helped me work on this story, because when I got into it, I started finding more and more and more stuff that I actually wound up having to cut a few things off my list. And in the process, you're the perfect person to talk to about this. Um, I forgot to put something on there from Athens. So, huh. <laughs> so if you were going to pick a place at Athens, would you say the 40 Watt Club? Is yeah, a, is I think the 40 Watt Club is probably your your best bet. Although, you know, there's also the uh, the train trestle and that's on the cover of Murmur. Mm, um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people have made pilgrimages there. Um, 
kind of like going to kind of like going to the gravesite at uh, Elizabeth Reed. Yeah, <laughs> make it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and so yeah, that that's that's somewhere people tend to go. But there are of course lots of places uh, in Atlanta that I mean, and in Athens that that would uh, fit that bill for sure. Uh, but Forty Watt Club is always a good choice, and you know, unfortunately, you you know. These days, it's not as uh, hopping. No, not yet, not yet. Give it, give not it till yet. fall, maybe. Yeah. Right, right. But, but yeah, it's it's a great place to uh, to see bands as well. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's always worth a, a pilgrimage over there to uh, see that. And you know, there there are other places where I mean, the Forty Watt Club. Um, I, there was also the Uptown. Um, there's there's a lot of clubs and things like that over there that uh, you know you could visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, that could take up a whole story in and of itself. Well, you know, it, but it's, it's true that you want to think about things. If someone were coming to visit here for the first time, whether it's Atlanta or, you know, around the state and they're big music fans that you want to think, okay, where would I want to take this person or where would I tell this person to go? And I actually had a friend who moved to town recently and lives over in little five points and he loves music. And, you know, the first thing I told him was great, you know, you've got criminal records in your backyard, but make sure, you know, check out fantasy land and check out wax and facts. And, you know, there, there are still a handful of record stores that, are doing the thing that people who love music want them to do, <laughs> which yeah, is well, there, making, yeah, you know, making that community. That's true. I mean, there's a remarkable number of record stores around Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You know, it's when you sit down and actually start listing them, you realize that, that it, they're really thriving. Um, the, there are tons of them. I mean, just within a couple of miles of me, there are like three or four. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but let's let's show well, Rodney and I did that story a couple of years ago about, yeah used record stores and just, you know, what, and we were kind of surprised to find that there were so many still in existence selling, you know, not just records, but some CDs as well. And, you know, some of that hard to find stuff or 45s or things that, you know, if you're a real collector you're looking for, or if you're just a a casual listener or, you know, decide to buy a record player again. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So yeah, there's, there's a lot of that, but you know, there's also, there's a lot of venues here too. Like you mentioned the 40 walk club in Athens, but I think if you were coming to Atlanta and again, when things are open, but well, Eddie's attic, I mean, these places have been open because because we yeah. haven't had really any restrictions in Georgia. Um, but Eddie's Attic, you know, is sort of a, a landmark place that was, it was founded in 1992 by Eddie Owen, who is no longer there. He's at the Red Clay Music Foundry up in Duluth, which is also a great listening spot. But, you know, Eddie's in the, 90 became, in the 90s became this musical hub that spawned, you know, Jennifer Nettles and the Indigo Girls and Christian Bush and Sean Mullins and John Mayer worked the door for a little while. Yeah. And you know, there, there's such history in those walls and it's such a great place to go to listen to music because I, I find that there more than most places, people actually respect the listening process and shut up for 45 minutes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. while the person's yeah. on stage. So that's, that's a good thing. And you know, the tabernacle, it, it, you know, it's run by live nation, it's managed by live nation, but the, the building itself is very historical and that it was a former church they converted to a house of blues as part of Atlanta's Olympics buildup in 96. And then, you know, they went through all these owners changes because house of blues didn't want to stay in Atlanta. And, you know, since then, I mean, since the late nineties, it's become, you know, the place where, you know, Elton John recorded a concert there for a DVD in 2004 and Prince and outcast and, you know, Coldplay, you know, big, big artists, big bands would seek it out when they came to town to maybe do two or three nights to do the small stuff, you, you right. know, the, the, the small venue, the intimate venue. And I mean, I, 
I wish I were here in 2004 and couldn't have gone to see Elton John at the Tabernacle. <laughs> yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's just a great space. It really is. And, and it's such a beautiful space too. And I, I tell you, if you go all the way up to that top level, I, you, you really make sure that you're not afraid of heights or you don't get vertigo or anything. <laughs> <laughs> because I would go up there sometimes just to get away from people and shows that weren't completely sold out. But as I'm climbing the stairs, which is a workout in itself, I might add, but you know, you get up there and you look straight down, you're kind of like, Oh boy. Yeah. They're kind of high up here. This is a steep incline. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. yeah but, I yeah. mean, like you said, there's so many people have played there who, you know, they could have been playing, you know, huge, huge arenas, yeah. but, but they were looking for that, uh, you know, smaller, intimate. I mean, it's not a tiny venue by any means, but it's much smaller. There are people who played there who could have played much, much bigger venues. Um, and, you know, it gives them a little bit more of an intimate feel that they may not have had for a long time. Yeah. It's like taking them out of the arena and putting them back to where they started. As a matter of fact, I saw Ed Sheeran there probably his second, like maybe right when his second album was released and he was going from that guy who, you know, was opening for Taylor Swift and was getting some radio play and some buzz. And then, you know, within six months of that, he was headlining, you know, two nights at, at State Farm Arena. <laughs> you know? right. So, yeah. so, and, and I, and you, and you, sometimes you get that feeling when you're watching some of these up and coming artists, when they're playing the Tabernacle that, yeah, this is probably the last time I'm going to get to see them in a venue like the Tabernacle until they get to the Elton John point of their career where they want to make the full circle and come back again. <laughs> right. And yeah, I've seen both th things like that where Coldplay, it was, I think it was, I don't mm -hmm. remember if that was when they were, you know, I think that was right before they really got huge and I saw them there. And, but then people like Tool played there mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they were way huge. They could have played a much bigger venue, but they played at, you know, and of course those tickets go so quickly when that happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, It'll be interesting. Yeah, that was one of the, you know, that's one of the perks of, of, of having our job. Is, yes, you know, exactly. You can, <laughs> you can always get on the list. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting when it reopens full time, you know, sometime, hopefully later this year, what type of acts, you know, if they're if they're going to have just the regular acts that they've been having or if there are going to be some bigger artists who want to get back in gear basically and right. maybe play a smaller venue rather than starting out on the big arena tour that they might have done since they haven't toured in you know a year and a half so yeah, yeah that's that'll be something to keep an eye on and then of course we have the fox theater which is you know one of the gems of atlanta so historical, you know, you had Elvis Presley there, Leonard Skinner, famously, you know, Ronnie Van Zandt saying, play it pretty for Atlanta, which is immortalized in a sign backstage as you as you yeah. walk onto the stage. Mm -hmm. And of course, more recently, the Fox is going to be known as the place where Prince played his last shows in 2016. He played those two stripped down shows that were just him and the piano, the piano and microphone tour. And then, of course, that was on his flight back toward Minneapolis when he you know, pr pretty much died on the plane, but they revived him and then and then died, you know, a week or so later, which was still shocking to me five years later that all of that happened and that I was the last person to write a review of a print show, which, you know, is 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 a, is a legacy thing for me in my brain, but also just a very sad thing when you think yeah. about, uh, you know, the fact that we're never going to see him perform again. But the Fox is certainly, uh, you know, such a, a gorgeous venue and, the, you know, the ceiling, of course, is the thing that people talk about <laughs> when yeah. they go there. And that's another venue. If you sit all the way up top in, in the balcony at the very, very top is a, is a, you know, it's a it's a good vantage point to look down at the stage. But yeah, it's, it's a little not, high not up there. It's not necessarily a good place to listen from. But no, it's yeah. not. I, I mean, that's the thing with the Fox. You know, it was built as a, as a movie theater back in you know 1929. 
And as much as I love it as a venue to be inside of, I don't love it as a concert venue for listening purposes because, you know, the, the, even the, the pitch on the floor isn't the best to watch a show when you're down there, when people stand up, everybody stands up. And if you're five foot three, it's pretty impossible (laughs) to see anything. You know, there's all those kinds of things, but I put that all aside just because the Fox is just so beautiful anyway. And that's one of those venues that I really miss now, not having been in for more than a year. And they're, you know, that right now they're scheduled to reopen the end of August with Hamilton. Not sure if that's definitely going to happen or not. I know that's what their hope is. So I will be there for sure. If, uh, <laughs> if yeah, that is I mean, indeed yeah. the case. Yeah. I love the Fox, but I mean, cause the, the first time I went there was oh, a very long time ago. It was probably close to 40 years ago. Wow. Um, yeah. It was definitely the early eighties, you know, seeing, REM there and, and yeah I think, I think the first thing I saw there may have been Elvis Costello I can't remember in 84 yeah yeah that's a cool that would have been a cool show to see there <laughs> it was it was great and and you know I was fairly close to the stage those were and and that's what I like that it's like if you're if you're within like the first 20 rows mm-hmm. it's great yes I love it, you know but but that's why I always try to get you know if, if it's something I really really want to see I want to be up that close to it um at the fox so you either want to be really close like that or far behind the soundboard where at least there is more of an incline of the floor that you could kind of see over people's heads so yeah i saw nine inch nails there a couple years ago and that was a cool place to see them too with just the light show that they do and um and mariah carey was an interesting person to see at the fox not too long ago her last tour came through there and you know that's that's somebody i've only only seen in arenas so it was cool to see her in a in a more intimate setting so yeah i mean you know even the fox does tours too even without concerts happening and i believe they've just started them again like an outdoor type of tour that they're doing um, because, you know, there's so much history as far as spirits and ghosts and things like that. <laughs> really cool stuff like that. And the mighty Mo organ. And, you know, there's right. lots of things to see in the Fox if you're just coming into town to visit and not necessarily going to a concert. It's just one of those kinds of places. So, yeah. um, but then if you get in the car and you start driving around Atlanta, if, if you're a hip hop fan, you definitely want to check out the outcast mural, which is fairly new. It, it, it went up in October of 2019. It was a Greensboro muralist. He goes by the name Jex. I guess it is J-E-K-S is how he says his name. And he created this 30 foot mural. It's on this. It's in little five points. It's on the side of this boutique called Wish. And, you know, it's it's Andre and Big Boy. It's a fo- it's taken from a photo a hip hop photographer took. And it was created for this program called the Outer Space Project, which they like to try to beautify outdoor public spaces and stuff. And, and, you know, Jex is so talented that he finished this in less than a week. It probably would take me like five years and it would look horrible. So (laughs) I know that that has become a definite Instagram spot for people who come into town when they want to know about the outcast legacy in Atlanta. And it it became pretty instantly known as a cool place to, to go take a selfie. So just be prepared for some, some crowds there, especially when the weather's nice. Uh, I, I know uh, our editor, Nikki actually went there, I think with her mom, not too long ago, just like a month or two ago and said there was you know, like a little crowd of people there and, uh, you know, just really enjoyed being able to just take a picture with, with Andre and big boy on the wall. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, so we mentioned Cascade ice cream, which the, the movie ATL from 2006, that was, based kind of on the lives of Dallas Austin and, and TLC's T-Boz. And 
that's just a place that, you know, it's a roller rink, which I haven't been to because I haven't been roller skating since I was probably like 16 and I wasn't great at it then. So I'm a little afraid to try it now, but I was better than ice skating. I cannot ice skate to save my life. Yeah. (laughs) But one of these days, Cascade is kind of one of those places I keep thinking, yeah, I really should go by there. And the same with Sister Louise's Church of the Living Room and Ping Pong Emporium, which people just call it the church. It's in the old fourth ward. It's definitely one of those hangouts, again, in normal times. I'm not really sure what's been going on the last few months, but when we've got, you know, have so many movies filming here all the time, a lot of stars just kind of go grab a beer there. Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson have been spotted there a lot whenever they've been in town. And then kind of infamously in 2011, when Lady Gaga came through town for her monster ball tour, she asked to buy the Virgin Mary statue on the bar and and they turned her down. They told Lady Gaga, no. So her fans, certainly know that story well (laughs) and it's kind of a funny thing so yeah there's a lot of cool icon iconic imagery i guess you could say at at the church and uh it's just you know a cool place with a a cool vibe to hang out in so definitely a good place to go have a drink glass night highway by the way if you haven't been on that it's it's a portion of um route nine so it's a it's where west peachtree street intersects with peachtree about south like south of 14th street is Mm. where where you'll see the sign and i think that's also where her restaurant used to be if i remember correctly which is no longer there but weirdly i found this kind of crazy i think i think i learned this writing this story was that it's the first thing that has ever been named for her in her home state which you really would think that before 2015 somebody somewhere would have thought hey maybe we should honor gladys knight the empress of soul somehow (laughs) not wait until that long but she's you know thrilled about it takes a lot of pride in the fact that she can represent her home state and you you know i I know when i drive on it and i look up and i see the sign it kind of makes me smile like hey it's quite a nice highway (laughs) (laughs) also if uh, for the hip-hop fans the trap music museum that ti opened in 2018 it's kind of on the outskirts of downtown and if you're if you're into hip-hop if you're into trap music you know there's there's a lot of there, there are a couple of standing exhibitions one being a recreation of T.I.'s closet and, you know, they've got his Grammys and all, you know, his neatly pressed outfits, but then they also have this whole like glass enclosed uh, display of his weapons, which was a little controversial when it opened because, you know, people were like, really, should we be glorifying this? But, you know, T.I. spent time in jail on weapons charges and it is part of his history. And that's really what they wanted to, to get across was they wanted it to be an authentic depiction of, you know, kind of things that have been in his life. And I, I remember when I went to visit, they also, you know, there was a Gucci Mane exhibit. I'm not sure if that's still there. Cause like I said, they do rotate some stuff. They did open a female focused exhibit with Cardi B and Nicki Minaj last year. And also one of the, I think never going away things is that pink car that two chains right. had commissioned for the pink trap house when that existed. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's again, that's another spot where people are going to take a lot of pictures. And I think that's oh, yeah. one of the reasons why they go there and connected to it. They have escape the trap an escape room that again, that's not my thing. I don't like I don't want to have to worry about getting out of a room that somebody has <laughs> locked me. in. <laughs> that is not fun to me in any way whatsoever. Just yeah. point me to the exit. That's all I want to know. Yeah. But that thing, I mean, that thing is booked all the time and that has reopened in you know limited form. You have to make a reservation. And I know that, you know, there's often a waiting list to get in on the weekends. And, you know, when there are big events going on in town, good luck trying to get into the trap house or the escape the trap room. So just keep that in mind in case you are planning to, <laughs> to go yeah. check it out. And what, so one thing I learned about 
that I did not know about was was Lionel Hampton Beecher Hills Park. Did you know about this place? No, I saw that night. That that really surprised me. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that Mr. Hampton, who, of course, you know, legendary jazz man, that he had he had given money to, you know, to have this this park. And they have a, it's a one point two mile Lionel Hampton trail and it's built on land that he had owned. And then he gave it to the Path Foundation and, you know, they're, they're still honoring him by keeping keeping his name attached to it. And yeah, yeah I know it's Lionel Hampton is one of those people that I tend to forget is from Georgia, because as we've discussed, there are so many artists who either yeah. were born here, moved here, create, you know, their career started here that you, you can't keep track of everybody. And then but then when it's some an older artist like Lionel Hampton, you kind of go, oh, wow, I had no idea that, that right. you know, he had such a legacy here. So, yeah, that's kind of a cool thing that kind of does it for Atlanta. If you're going to go around the state. Um, you know, right, right before the shutdown last year, I was, you know, I was going to go up to New York for the Allman Brothers 50th anniversary concert. And just prior to that, I wanted to do a story about the Big House Museum, the Allman Brothers Big House Museum in Athens, because that's another place I've been meaning to get to for years and just never did. Have you ever been there? Because it's a, it's a no, really cool, you, I, you should, I, really I think you'd like it. it. Yeah, really, I think you'd yeah. really like it. It's, it's a, you know, it's a little house, actually, it's not a little house, it's a 6,000 square foot house, but it was, you know, in 2009, it, became, you know, this living museum to the Allman Brothers. And it's just room after room of, of artifacts and instruments. And, you know, the my, my favorite thing, of course, was the pool table that's in the middle of a room that Greg Allman and Cher used to own. So, yeah. uh, you know, I had to touch that because Cher once touched that. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty much it. And even though I was there on a rainy, it was like a Tuesday at, you know, one in the afternoon or something, you know, there were probably a dozen people there milling yeah. about. But but, you know, I know they've been struggling since the shutdown because they've you know had to operate on limited scale and it's not a place that was raking in millions anyway. So I, I would encourage anybody, if you have any interest in the history of Southern Rock or the Allman Brothers, that you check it out if you're in the neighborhood and, and support them because they're actually they're really nice people who run the place, too. And they're really dedicated to to talking about. It. And, you know, you talk to any of the people who work there and believe me, they will give you the history of anything that you happen to be looking at. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, I, it's like, that's one of the places I've, I've always wanted, you know, at some point I'm going to make a point of going to Macon and, and doing that. And yeah, there are other things to see there too. And, and I want to do the food things there because yes. it's great. There's some great food there. There's H and H soul food, which is supposed to be awesome. And uh, new way wieners, uh huh. Um, so yeah, there's there's some some great food places as well. So you know, someday well, I'm gonna I, make that pilgrimage. I really wanted to go to H and H when I was out there to visit the museum, and they close it like two, I think, yeah. or something. And yeah, yeah. I, and I think I got to the museum at twelve ish, and I just wasn't gonna make it. But that's definitely been on my list. You should also, if you go out there, Rose Hill Cemetery, where yeah. where Greg and Dwayne um are, are buried, and actually all the, all, you know, all the deceased members of the band are buried and they, they are now in one enclosed area that looks beautiful. They put brick staircases on the side of it. So it's slightly elevated and, you know, they, they made it, they made it so that vandals can't do anything to it or, or, you know, overzealous fans. I mean, yeah. you know, the people, people might have good intentions too, but they also don't want people, you know, throwing, leaving things on the grave site and making a mess of things. So that's, that's certainly worth seeing. And also, you know, if you, if you take a walk down by the train tracks, that's where the headstone is for Elizabeth Reed. So in memory yeah. of Elizabeth Reed, you can, you can go sit on her gravestone too, just like the members of the band did when they came up with the, with the song. Right. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of history in making and Capricorn studios, of course, is reopened and, and they do tours there too. 
to that you could, you know, go into the original, well, the the redeveloped, renovated original studio that the Almonds and Skinner and Marshall Tucker and so many bands recorded in yeah. over the years that opened uh, back up about two years, a year, a year and a half, two years ago. And that's a really cool spot, too. So I would definitely recommend that. I probably should have put that on this list. I forgot. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it, well, if, you, if you're interested in that, you can go back and, and check out our podcast on it. So, uh, yes, you know, we, we have we have done a podcast on that very thing. So. We did. That's right. When they reopened. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we've got Alan Jackson Highway in, in Noonan. So it's kind of like Gladys Knight Highway, you know, yeah. you, you driving down 85 in Coweta County and look up and go, Hey, I'm on Alan Jackson highway, yeah. which <laughs> is, is kind of cool. Um, and James, the James Brown statue. Now, if you're, if, if you're, you know, maybe going to go out to the masters or you're going to go to Augusta for any reason, you, you got to pay homage to the James Brown <laughs> statue. Right. And that is in downtown Augusta. It, was put up in 2005, just the year before he died, actually. And it has this interesting thing on it called the James Brown cam, which takes your picture and then immediately sends it to your phone, which seems huh. pretty advanced for me for a James Brown statue at Augusta. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that's kind of a cool thing. Every time I look at the picture, though, if, if you if you look at my story, by the way, which came out a few weeks ago um, on AJC.com, we have a picture of the James Brown statue and he his smile is a little, I don't know, the, the sculpturist, <laughs> sometimes sculptures make make icons look a little creepy. In a way. Yeah, yeah. It's just the, just the way it comes out. You know? yeah. But maybe maybe you want to go check it out in person instead. And then, you know, I did a story last year about the 50th anniversary of the second Atlanta International Pop Festival which is the one that took place in middle Georgia and Byron, basically. And in 2012, the Georgia Historical Society unveiled an historical marker at the site. And that's where, of course, Alex Cooley, you know, he, he did the, the original Atlanta International Pop Festival the year before and then brought the second one back in 1970. And they named a stretch of US 41 for Alex and Peter Conlon, his, his business partner and friend, just for all the work they've done in the music industry and, you know, bringing shows to Georgia and kind of putting Georgia on the map as far as a place where people actually want to come play. But the, the international pop festival is something that lives in, in lore of people, people who love music and lived here at the time and remember it being, you know, it was, it was bigger than, it was bigger than Woodstock, you know, as far as crowds and stuff, but Woodstock always got all the attention, which was kind of unfortunate because the, the two pop festivals that Alex Cooley did were certainly, certainly memorable. Yeah. Well, with Hendrix there, it's like, you know, that was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was I, it wasn't his last performance. It was one of his last performances yeah, before he died. Among them, yeah. 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 Have you watched the uh, Ma Rainey um Netflix. No, the, the, the biopic the new one yeah yeah no, well it. it's, it's actually the one that's based on the august wilson play yeah yeah Maori's yeah, yeah. mm-hmm. black bottom yeah. yeah it's the the netflix movie is is very good and chadwick boseman of course is just phenomenal in it and so is viola davis who who plays ma rainey and i i you know wanted to make sure that i included the ma rainey house and blues museum because, you know, people are, are becoming more aware of her because of this movie that was out in the last year. But also it was one of those things that I did not know existed until I did this story. Right. <laughs> and I'm not sure a lot of people do because she moved back. She stopped touring in 1935 and then she moved back to Columbus, where she was from. And she lived in this two story house on Fifth Avenue. And she she actually ran a couple of theaters in the neighborhood as well, but she only lived a few more years after that. And she died of a heart attack. And it was really unfortunate because she was only 53 and she had spent her whole life 
touring and recording and, you know, I mean, really just establishing herself as the mother of the blues and writing her own songs, which a lot of people don't know that, you know, she did as well. And, you know, she finally retires and gets to have some quietude. And then, you know, she dies a couple of years later, but that house on fifth Avenue, it's still there and it pays tribute to her life and career. And if you're in Columbus, you probably want to check that out too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always nice when we have something that's preserved like that. Yeah. We, we do tend to uh, tear things down so easily and um, you know, it's great that they they preserve that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the same with the Otis Redding statue that if you're back in Macon, yeah, <laughs> never mind Columbus for a second, go, go back to Macon. <laughs> and in Gateway Park, there there is a statue of Otis Redding. It's adjacent to the Otis Redding Memorial Bridge, which connects to the Phil Walden Memorial Interchange. Phil Walden, of course, with Capricorn Records. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, so, so there's a, a whole bunch of history in that area as well. And I actually got to talk to Otis's daughter, last summer um, because there's a line of children's books that came out last year by a children's book company. One of the first books they released is based on Otis's respect, which of course, you know, was his song before Aretha turned it into her whole different kind of song. But I, but talking to Otis's daughter, just, you know, hearing more about his life, of course she was very young when he died, but, but just the legacy that she's also trying to preserve of, of the family name was really cool and really interesting to hear. So, you know, Otis's spirit is still very much alive in Macon and you can go check out Gateway Park if you're in the area. When, when you go to the Allman Brothers Museum, the (laughs) H and H, Rose Hill Cemetery. Right. Yeah. Swing swing by Gateway Park as well for Otis. And yeah, yeah. you could really do a whole musical oh, history yeah. tour. A musical could, history tour yeah, instead of a magical could, mystery tour. You could you could spend days in Macon, you know. Yeah. Just just on, you know, music history of of, of the area. So and I might do that, you know, once once I'm fully vaccinated and more comfortable being out among the world, uh, I think I actually might take a ride to make it one day and, and do that type of tour and write about that, because I, yeah. I do think that that's something that people might be interested in. Yeah, you can find the best route for everybody to take to uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, take, so take it all in and, you know, <laughs> stop at the, at the really good restaurants on the way. And, yeah, yeah. That uh, actually sounds like it could be like a, a fun travel travel slash music story. So, yeah. so, you know, I mean, I'm sure there are things that I left off the list there are again there are so many people who hail from here and who have some type of memorial in in their names but i you know i I think i tried to hit i definitely tried to hit some of the major ones and things that i think people would be interested in seeing so right hopefully hopefully that gives you some ideas if uh you want to take a ride somewhere (laughs) yeah definitely and and you know there's there like you said there's so much more and i mean you know it doesn't even mention recording studios which tend to be hidden and not necessarily yes. accessible to people, but you know some of them that that have since closed, like the one out uh, uh, Claremont. Um, it's it's gone now. That's the uh, Bruce Bruce recorded there. Mastodon recorded there. Oh, the uh, one where Brendan O'Brien was yeah, would work with yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, that one's gone now, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, yeah. yeah, there there are well well I I mentioned in the story uh, Stanconia, of course that that yeah. big boy owns, but you know, a lot of these places aren't necessarily open to the public. And, no. and like you said, from the outside, they are just random right. concrete buildings yeah. or, you know, or, or I, houses even. I mean, yes. it's really weird how the, the, the pains they take to uh, to hide some of these things from the general public because they, yeah, they're like, uh, well, we've got big stars here. So yes, exactly. They don't want people. They don't want people. To like, and, yeah. Yeah. Like T.I. has a <laughs> T.I. has his place now just off a of north side that I've gone to a couple of times. And, 
you know, yeah, it's like after you pass it, you kind of do a double take like, oh, is that a studio? (laughs) But but you really wouldn't know otherwise. And last a couple of weeks ago, I went to talk to the band Group Love to do a story that's actually out this week on them. And they have a um, the bass player co-owns a studio in Little Five Points. And, you know, it's this alley in the back of Little Five Points behind, you know, graffiti. And I remember him telling us where to park because he said, you know, your GPS, it's not going to help you. <laughs> if I give yeah. you an address, you're never going right. to find it. And even with him giving us explicit directions of, you know, turn here, park there, you know, we, we were still like, um, okay, where are we going exactly? You know, so it's really once you open the door of the studio is what defines the studio. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how, how nondescript things can look from outside and then, you know, you get inside and it's, yeah. yeah, it's like it was the same way with that Dallas Austin studio back, mm-hmm. back in the day. I don't even know if that's I, I think he might have moved it. He did. Uh, it's in the, He has a studio in his house now, actually. And, and yeah. his house, but he has that house. I think it's on Northside, too, because I was there a couple of years ago that the roundhouse that, yeah. that Bieber uh, had rented for a couple of years, too, when Dallas went down to Miami. is So so he's got a studio in the, in the roundhouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty. And I remember uh, several years ago, Lecrae, uh, I went out to his studio at Reach Records to talk to him. And that's like this complete opposite of what you typically see in a studio of, you know, you, you might have some exposed brick and, you know, it's, it's weird. It's like, you know, the if you're a rock band, you've got the type of studio that looks like exposed brick and stuff. If you're a rap artist, you have a, a studio that definitely has a game room or something fun yeah. to do. If yeah. Lecrae's was this completely opposite, that everything was like sleek and like, like sleek white for mica type stuff and you know like this groovy lighting like you get on a delta plane now <laughs> and stuff and you know lots of basketball memorabilia behind glass cases i mean it almost felt like i was in the rock and roll hall of fame floor or something yeah. <laughs> rather than a studio and i mean and everything was just immaculate and pristine and just you know so beautiful and uh, you know so it was very different than the type of studio with you know a, a cigarette ashtray overflowing <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah you never know what you're going to get that could be another story shane i could do a story yeah. on, on studios yeah. but i, I yeah, don't know how much the average yeah. person would care <laughs> yeah and 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 the, I, I doubt the studio owners and, and the, the folks who record there would be thrilled with it either but <laughs> that's that's exactly that's exactly it too yes yes i i do remember though when i went to stankodia a couple of years ago to talk to big boy they had this uh, our photographer and i were waiting in this little side room and it, it was like this great little den it was just you know it was like a couch with the stuffing coming out of it and a tube tv which yeah. I, I just thought was hysterical. And it was it was really cool. I would have been fine just hanging out in there actually yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. to do the interview. So so yeah, there's there's lots of lots of interesting uh history in Atlanta and Georgia when it comes to music stuff, whether whether it's something that you're gonna drive by and take a picture in front of or a studio where you're gonna hole up for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, this is it's been a, a nice little uh uh travel log sort of that uh, <laughs> you know we can we can do virtually and and Everybody out there can go and actually do, which is is a nice thing these days, where you can uh, actually visit a lot of these places, especially since they're outdoors. It's it's a safe safe way to uh, enjoy yourself and explore a little of our cities and our state's uh, musical history. So. Yes, and and fun fact: this story I was actually originally going to do it last year, and then when the pandemic hit. You know, I, I said to our editor, yeah, I think we should hold off on this because even though some things are I mean, you know, when people were supposed to be not really leaving their house except yeah. for essential reasons, I didn't think it was a good time to write about, hey, let's go visit the James Brown statue in Augusta, right. even if it is outside, you know, at, at, a, at a park. But now there are certainly uh, plenty of opportunities to to go out and, and check out some of this stuff. All right, cool. Well, uh, if you need any more information, just go check out uh, Melissa's story It is online. 
Um, and she has all the addresses and, and all of that stuff there. So uh, you can get more information about all the places we talked about. Thanks, Melissa. There's nothing normal about our new normal, but AJC.com is the same trusted source you've always had. And we have just as much great content, if not more. That's why each week I'll highlight my personal picks for the best things to do, see, and experience. And the stories are easy to find on AJC.com. Since 2011, Group Love has turned out a flow of colorful alt-pop. Their biggest hit, Tongue Tied, from their debut album was certified triple platinum, and their chart presence continued through the years with Ways to Go, Welcome to Your Life, and from last year's healer album, the alt-rocker Deleter, which was released the week the coronavirus was officially deemed a pandemic. The band's new album, This Is This, was recorded in the charmingly grubby Big Trouble studio, tucked into a graffiti-plastered alley in Little Five Points, and co-owned by bassist Daniel Gleason and recording engineer TJ Elias since 2018. Four of the band's five members are now Atlanta residents. Read Melissa Ruggieri's interview with the band on the Atlanta Music Scene blog at AJC.com, and stay tuned for an upcoming podcast conversation with Group Love, too. Billy Magnuson has gamely played his share of secondary hunks and dopes over the years, but now at age 35, he gets one of his biggest leading roles in the dark comedy series Made for Love on HBO Max, out Thursday. Magnuson, a 2003 South Forsyth High School graduate, provides the Elon Musk-like character with an intriguing blend of pathos, neediness, and innocence. Rodney Ho spoke with Magnuson about his new show, and you'll find that conversation on the radio and TV talk blog at AJC.com. After nearly a decade of being shot and damaged by vandals, the historical marker honoring the Georgia victim of one of the nation's most horrific lynchings may finally find sanctuary in an Atlanta Civil Rights Center. The Georgia Historical Society and the National Center for Civil and Human Rights are in discussions to have the damaged marker honoring Mary Turner placed on long-term loan at the center. The sign would become a centerpiece of the center's collection of lynching and anti-lynching artifacts and documents called Without Sanctuary, which is not currently on public display but will be housed in the center's upcoming $17 million edition. The AJC's Rosalind Bentley has the story and you can find out more at AJC.com. In the back of his mind, Atlanta native Matthew Foster always wanted to make pizza for a living. For years, he's been obsessed with the pizza show on which Pizzaola Frank Pinello travels the world on a quest for great pie stories. While a server at Amaza, a Neapolitan-style pizza parlor in the Old Fourth Ward, Foster spent so much time gazing into the kitchen that he eventually talked his way in. As he made plans to start his own business, his challenge was to invent a pie that captures Atlanta. It didn't take long to identify his signature flavor profile. Foster created his lemon pepper wet pie, a pizza that packs a zing and is adorned with two flats and a couple of lemon wedges. Find out more about Fuse Pies, that's P-H-E-W, a reference to Foster's nickname, and catch up on all the places the team has visited on the Atlanta restaurant scene blog at AJC.com. To get the AJC delivered or to subscribe to the e-paper, go to AJC.com slash subscribe. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. Podcast edited by Bria Felicien. Music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin. And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.